Oh, I have to look something up so I don't sound stupid real quick. A modern podcast where Chris and Mike talk about TV, movies, superheroes, and everything in between. It's time for Superhero Slate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Superhero Slate, the show where we run down the latest superhero entertainment news. We love TV, movies, and superheroes, so let's talk it all out. My name is Chris Dillard. And my name's Mike Royer. And this is a spoiler cast for Fox's X-Men Apocalypse. We finally got another X-Men movie. Who would have thought we would have so many X-Men movies by 2016? It, we got two this year, and uh, whichever way you want to look at it, it's either the ninth X-Men movie, the sixth X-Men movie, or the third X-Men movie, depending on how you want to break it down. So <laughs> It's a wealth it, of choices. Yeah, you, you pick your poison, really. Really pick your poison. <laughs> so we both saw this movie. Uh-huh. This week, um, I believe you saw 3D. You said, "Yes, I Just did." To lay it uh, on the on the groundwork here. Yeah, I had to um, I had to pick my options based on uh, convenient times because I didn't get a chance to see this on Thursday night as you did. Uh, I saw it on a Sunday, so I just had to pick the most convenient time, which was bundled with 3D glasses. So it wasn't my option, but that's what I went with. Okay, cool. So uh, barring that, you know, we both seen it in 3D. Um, did you see IMAX? Oh, there's that train. That train That's wants to know train. if I've seen IMAX. Uh, no, I didn't see it in IMAX. Uh, IMAX theaters are um, difficult to get to out here if you don't live okay. near them because everything is difficult to get to out here. Uh, so usually, yeah, IMAX usually isn't in the isn't in the in my wheelhouse. It's uh, it's not on your menu options yeah. for how you can watch movies. That's mm-hmm. that. Well, I saw it in uh, in uh, uh, Cinemark's XD or something like that. It's like mm-hmm. a it's not IMAX, but it's a really, really big screen. Uh-huh. So um, that was kind of cool. But now that we've got it out of the way, we know how we saw the movie. We know how we experienced it. Let's go ahead and say there are spoilers in this. Spoiler cast. So <laughs> duh. Like, yes. Don't be surprised. Um, but let's go ahead and, and talk about the movie, Mike. We talked a little bit about it yesterday, how we felt, what we thought. A little bit spoiler free. Lay it on us, Mike. What did you think of X-Men Apocalypse? All right, so this movie is just incredibly average. Um, I think it I think it kind of suffers a little bit from not superhero fatigue because people talk about that all the time, saying we're going to get fit- fatigued with these superhero movies. I don't think that's the case. I think it's X-Men fatigue. Uh, we've had so many different... Um, we've had so many different opportunities to engage with these characters from different ages, different alternate realities, however you want to phrase it. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm just getting kind of... Uh, I'm getting kind of tired of this. Them, you know <laughs> like I don't like like I believe you said uh, yesterday on our uh, news episode this is like the third uh, version of Cyclops that we've seen so mm-hmm. um, it's just like we're it's like they're rebooting the universe but keeping it all together so we haven't really had a fresh restart so everything just kind of seems kind of really uh, uh, mucky murky um, but and I think that kind of makes for kind of an uh, an average movie I don't really have a whole lot of um, uh, investment in, in the story and what's going on uh, I think uh, that's case in point with the um, lackluster villain that Apocalypse was 
you know, even though we got to see Apocalypse and, you know, head to toe before he, we ever saw him on screen, you know, with movie posters and stuff like that, I kind of thought maybe somehow during the movie he might get a little bit more exciting. Maybe he'd transform because Apocalypse's powers are kind of all over the place in uh, in the comic book lore. But I was hoping maybe we'd get some, some shrinking or growing on the screen, but, you know, we just got that in some sort of a mental uh, capacity, like literally inside someone's brain. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I wish they would have explained his powers a little bit better. I was never really sure if he was mind controlling people or he just had really, really strong powers of persuasion and what they were taking from the comic books and what they weren't. So yeah, I think just my my biggest problem with this movie is I'm just fatigued with the characters. And uh, the best way to the best way to get me over that is to bring in a new character, you know, like a new villain, Apocalypse, and make him really, really awesome. And he was just, I, I was just, I just didn't really care about him, honestly. Okay. All but, right. So it but, sounds like you didn't hate it, yeah, but you're not in love with it. Yeah, like you like uh, you say a lot on the show, it didn't offend me. I didn't <laughs> run out of the theater, like, cursing the gods on my hands and knees looking up at the sky like I did uh, with uh, earlier comic book movies this year. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's another reason why, like, movies like Deadpool and these other Fox franchises outside of the X-Men are going to do well and have done well is because they're different. They're just different characters, but we're still playing in this mutant space. So, um, that being said, I'm sure we'll talk about um, specific moments. There are definitely two very, very wonderful moments in this movie that... I think I that will let me recommend this movie to people seeing it on the big screen. Uh, but if it weren't for those, maybe not so much. But w- what about you, Chris? What do you think? I, I think we're both kind of feeling this average zone, but I kind of want to know how you got there. So I, I mark X-Men Apocalypse as forgettable. Um, mostly, I saw it Thursday night. I'm having trouble remembering standout moments, mm-hmm. um, I guess, four days later. Uh, I, I do have a copy that someone filmed in the theater that I've watched through to kind of like maybe refresh myself a little bit. Uh-huh. But of the nine X-Men movies, and I count nine, I count them all, you can't have ones without the others. Uh-huh. Uh, this this lands directly in the middle for me. I don't find it horrible. I don't find it bad. I think the first 45 minutes, the first half of the movie, um, or I guess a third of the movie, are great. I feel uh-huh. uh, like very entrancing. Like, okay, you've got some great characters, like some good setups here. Let's go with it. However... The last third is is pretty standard fare. There is nothing new here that Brian Singer or Simon Kinberg has brought to the table that we haven't already seen in other X Men movies. Uh-huh. And and because of that, I I think it's not a bad movie. But this is not a movie that we're going to be talking about in six months. Uh-huh. Be like, okay, this is awesome. Now, on that same regard, I didn't care as much for Days of Future Past as everyone else does. I, uh-huh. I don't think it's. A great movie. I think that's an apology film for uh, X3 and Origins because it resets the timeline and resets up like, oh, well, Brian Singer didn't do this, so he has to reset all this stuff to get ready for his new world. And I think this is a good, a great follow-up to First Class. And you can tell there are so many First Class references in this. Like, uh-huh. I feel you watch First Class and you watch this movie, great sequel. Like, that, it follows up perfectly with that. But at the same time, I feel they've added too many new characters who don't do anything. They just kind of they're just there for a little bit, and then all of a sudden they're very important in the last five minutes. And it's not enough setup for me for them. So I think the first third to half is great. The second half to third is just uh, paint by numbers, uh-huh. if you would, of of an X Men movie. 
Uh, however, you're all right. There are some great moments that stand out. And uh, I was listening to a review earlier, and I didn't think about this, and so I can't take credit, but some of those great scenes, you can take those out of the movie, and the movie would still go on. Uh-huh. Uh, and I think we're going to talk about those here in a little bit, but um, I think uh, Oscar Isaac did a great apocalypse. I mean, we, we kind of shit on him a little bit for how he looked, but we did the same thing with Quicksilver in Days of Future Past. <laughs> uh, apocalypse was not a bad character. I just don't think the movie did enough with him. I think Simon Kinberg and Brian Singer have been in this too long, and they have their favorite characters, and they will always cater to those characters. Um, looking at you, Phoenix and, and Mystique, so we <laughs> just need to get them out of there. Get some new people in here. Let's um, re-inject it with a new director and some new, not new characters per se, but a new director who can focus on this team mentality and, and go for it. I think you said yesterday Civil War had a bunch of characters, and everyone got a moment, but in this one... Not everyone got that moment, and they were just kind of shuffled to the back and moved along. Yeah, exactly. So. And I, you know, if we want to specifically uh, say standouts that um, seemed like they were going to be standouts, you know, because we've seen them all over the marketing material, it would be definitely Psylocke. Psylocke was mm-hmm. billed almost like uh, above some of the characters that had actual lines in the movie. She said like three things, and she had uh, a, a few uh, interesting choreographed fight scenes. But beyond that, she was pretty uh, worthless in the film. <laughs> she kind of <laughs> just walked out at the end too. She's like, "I'm done with this movie." Yeah. I'll see you guys later. And there was a, this kind of bizarre, almost like double take that she took. She she like looked over her shoulder and was like, nope, I'm not going to be a part of this and walked away. And then uh, we cut back to them and then we cut back to her again. But this time when she looks away, she's behind flames. So it's just like, oh, we get it. She's going to be like a bad guy or something like that. So uh, so the, the movie did have some weird moments like that in there. But uh, yeah, just characters that were not utilized well there was definitely um jubilee uh, i'm gonna point out <laughs> yeah down there because you see her and they're like oh my gosh they're gonna make jubilee look awesome they cut out her entire scenes like she's just there she never uses her powers once she went to the mall and um that was about it mm-hmm. so and the first time we ever met her was in a mall in the cartoon so that was that was it i just feel like they wasted some of these characters pretty bad yeah, and it was just like oh, and Angel. I'm sorry, Angel as well. <laughs> yeah, it, um, one thing that I was trying to figure out, you know, uh, Apocalypse's main goal in in the movie before he kind of gets rolling is uh, he needs to get his four horsemen, and he specifically says, I don't remember the exact line, but he says, I am looking for the strongest mutants on this planet. Take me to them. So, okay, Storm, I could get that. Storm is really, really powerful. You know, she's kind of young in this movie, but I was just like, she has untapped potential. She's going to be very strong one day. So I could see what Apocalypse sees in her. Um, mm-hmm. she, uh, he goes to Psylocke. We don't know a whole lot about Psylocke yet in the movie. Uh, so, you know, maybe there's something there. He senses something in Psylocke. But then Psylocke's like, oh, I got the guy for you. I'm going to take you to this mutant who uh, basically is a drunk, has a messed up wing. It's just like, why does he even Why does he even want Angel as a horseman? Like, I get it that he can unlock the uh, potential inside of him and give him, like, metal wings and stuff. But it's just like, you could have picked, like, any other mutant out there. And I was thinking, like, why didn't he just pick, pick Xavier, too? Xavier would have been a great horseman. <laughs> But apparently, uh, I guess, nope, I got to stop at four. Once I get the four, that's just too much. The crew's getting too big over here. Well, I think the thing is, like, he, again, doesn't control them, per se. Um, kind of like an example. I kept thinking, like, kind of like Hive and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. this season, where he kind of, he didn't control them, but he kind of gave them what they wanted. 
And so I think Xavier, the the, the ultimate plot with Xavier was better than making him a horseman. He's like, I'm going to take over your body and get your awesome powers. Mm-hmm. Was better than making him a horseman. But Angel Angel had one cool moment. His body mutilation scene when he was transforming into mm-hmm. Archangel was his best moment. Like, he didn't say anything, but, like, the way his ribs popped out of him and folded back in and how the metal wings came out, I thought that was really, really well done. But if you look at, out of the four horsemen, only Magneto had any time to shine. Yeah. The other three are kind of just like, well, we can change these out with anybody else, but we're choosing three popular characters that everyone knows, and we're just going to waste them. Even Storm felt wasted. I hate to say it, but mm-hmm. Storm was thrown under the bus, Angel was thrown under a plane, and <laughs> Psylocke... I'm surprised you didn't point this out. Her, I thought her psychic katana was the shittiest CGI graphics I've ever seen. Yeah, nothing was too, <sighs> nothing was too impressive. Was, was was how she was fighting. I mean, I was hoping for maybe some unique choreograph, but basically, it's just like, oh, instead of uh, a real sword, let's just give it a glowing sword. She didn't do too much unique things with it. Yeah, mm-hmm. she had that whip at one point in time, but the whole time I'm just thinking like, why do you have that whip out and trying to choke a beast? Like, just take your sword and just like plunge it into him, just kill him. So things just didn't seem very thought out there. But yeah, if we're talking about the characters, you know, you brought up Magneto. Uh, it seemed kind of strange that we have to give Magneto a family and then kill his family for him to have any motivation in this movie. You know, uh, I, I get that he's like trying to like move on with his life. And even though his scene in the forest is pretty touching that he loses his family. And then I, I like it when he finally gets some metal back in his hands and he kills those guys. That was kind of cool. But it's just like we I didn't really get a chance to know your family. Like, yeah, I get it that your family died, but like we don't know anything about them. You know, so and then time is a little hard to figure out how long it's been going on in the movie. So it's like he has a family now, and I guess it's been about ten years. Ten, it, they, they, they've confirmed every the last three movies have been ten years apart. So. Yeah, so I, I don't know. So I, I I just didn't like that motivation so much for Magneto. And Magneto and Xavier, they're always doing this push and pull thing in the movies. Uh, you know, at the at, in the early X-Men movies, it was very, very clear. You know, uh, Magneto was like the the bad guy but that had good intentions and Ma- and Charles was the good guy with good intentions. Uh, and that, that those struck uh, ahead and it was pretty obvious what side they were on. But Magneto in these past couple of movies, like he's been good, then he's not good, then he is good, then he's not good. It's just like, don't you understand what he's doing here? Just like nip it in the bud, do something with him. Things aren't going well. And he kills so many people at the end of this movie. I mean, we'll, we could probably talk about the collateral damage here for the second since Magneto causes most of it. And uh, he, they let him walk, like walk off scot free at the end of the movie. Like, oh, don't worry, Maria McTaggart was there and saw that he stopped Apocalypse, so we can all be happy that Magneto is a good guy. She's like, no, Magneto killed a bunch of people, digging up all that metal inside the Earth. So it just kind of seems like, what's going on here? Well, I think for the title being Apocalypse, it never once felt like an apocalypse. Mm-hmm. To use a, a quote from the, uh, I guess, the Independence Day trailers, is they like to go for the landmarks. Yeah. And and that's pretty much all you see. And not once, I mean, I, I care more for Magneto and his family, but at the end, I'm like, the world's really not in trouble. I mm-hmm. don't think anything's in trouble here. This damage is very superficial. You're looking at it from a distance. You're just seeing buildings collapse. You're not seeing people die. And I felt this intentional to show that Magneto's not... A horrific killer but at the same time it's like well no one's really gonna end up dying here like nothing huge is gonna stick they're gonna clean it up and it'll be good to go in yeah. 10 more years one, one but- scene one scene that i thought was really really cool in the movie 
um, because when we were watching these trailers, you know, we saw scenes of nukes being launched and we saw destruction and we didn't really know the context of all that. So it's just like, oh, there's nukes going to be involved. But something really unique happened at the beginning of the movie where all the nukes were shot up into space. And I thought that was really, really cool where Apocalypse is just like, no more weapons. We're going to like even out the playing field and get these big, uh, get these big nuclear warheads just and take them out of the equation. And I thought like, okay, we're actually not going to see the destruction of the planet uh, Apocalypse wants to rule the planet. He doesn't want to destroy it. But then, nope, he just go, he's just going to go ahead and destroy it like a different way. Like if Magneto was just going to rip the Earth apart, why didn't he just go ahead and use the warheads against the planet? So just weird things like that kind of happened. And um, it was like a cool scene that just kind of got undermined later in the movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't – again, I don't have too much of a, a deal with, with the story overall, except at the end it, it kind of got – I, again, I I felt this movie was going to be X three all over again. Too many mm-hmm. mutants, a lot of really weird discuss, uh, destruction. But it was really cool to see how the um, mag or not a mag, you know, how apocalypse kind of like shifted, like created things out of the air, like and that sandy look was really cool. Mm-hmm. Like when he created armor for everybody, so I was more okay with that sandy destruction um, look because he wasn't disintegrating things; he was reforming them, which was awesome. But at the same time, at the end, he, it was just a CGI spectacle. He's, like, blocking Magneto's metal. He's, you know, blocking Cyclops' blast. And then the Phoenix has to come in and do her thing, which was not... It, the, that Phoenix payoff was not worth it. Like, she did not deserve to turn into the Phoenix at the end of this movie. Yeah, like, and <laughs> they, they never really have any clear plan through this movie how they're going to stop Apocalypse. They're basically just like, at the end of the movie, they're like, let's just go save the professor and get out of there and then recoup. And then they decide, okay, our plan is just going to be to launch everything that we have at Apocalypse. They don't really outsmart him necessarily. Um, I thought it was really asinine, and I, I, literally, I did one of these like motions in the theater with my hands like, what? What the fuck is going on when Charles was just like, oh, wait a minute. That's right. We're linked together in our mind. I'm going to use that against him. It's just like, well, that's great. But you were also linked in his mind like 40 minutes earlier in the movie. Why did it take you this long to figure that out? What epiphany like suddenly popped up that let you go ahead and do that now? It was just kind of weird. And then um, Gene pops up. And okay, so I'm familiar with with X-Men lore. I am sure I'm I'm no uh, savant out there, but I was always under the impression that the Phoenix Force has to come and visit Jean. But in this movie it seems like it's just always been inside of her. So, so is that is that just what we're doing in the movies now? Well, that, that's not now. That's always been the movies. The movies will not these X-Men movies will not touch space to save their lives. Mm-hmm. And and that's what they should have been doing is saying the 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 space people uh, the she are specifically and all this space stuff the X Men deal with they never will touch in these movies they're scared of space um, but since X Men one the very first X Men movie they've been building up that Jean is essentially her real form is the Phoenix kind of persona and, uh-huh. and she just doesn't know how to control it yet as it as it manifests. So I think they're going to go with that, and they're going to stick with it because that's what they're going to do. Hopefully, maybe they go into space or visit or like have a visit from space people saying, hey, this person has been maybe reincarnated as a phoenix kind of deal, uh-huh. and we need to deal with it. That'd be kind of interesting. But yeah, no, it's I – th- I think Jean Grey was a waste in this. I don't think Cyclops was very good in this either, uh-huh. speaking of redoing kickers. However, I want to talk about the ones I did enjoy. Nightcrawler. Awesome. Okay. Again, I think I think just like in X two, he stole the show. Like 
he was funny when he needed to be. Um, he was had that young innocence. He didn't know what his powers could do or couldn't do yet. So I thought Nightcrawler was awesome in mm-hmm. this. I, I, mean, I don't know how you feel about it. No, um, I, Nightcrawler was definitely cool. Nightcrawler's always been a favorite character of mine. And, uh, yeah, it was kind of cool seeing him uh, young. Uh, it was kind of interesting seeing him wheeled into that arena at the beginning of the movie in that box that basically he's been – he's just like a creature that humans have uh, taken for him, for themselves so I like that he finally uh, was able to uh, get uh, like uh, spread his wings, even though that should be be a good way to describe Angel. But um, yeah, I thought I thought he was cool. Yeah, yeah, he was cool. Um, let's talk a little bit about one thing that I know we agree on: Quicksilver's action scenes. Yeah. Um, so again, in Days of Future Past, there was one Quicksilver action scene, which was really cool. Uh, I'm glad they don't do the motion blurs with Quicksilver in this. I again. I, I don't mind the Joss Whedon one at all. He's awesome, but he, he served his purpose. This one's a different version. And I think you said yesterday that, you know, Brian Singer should go just go make a Flash movie. Yeah, exactly. And- he handles he handles uh, these scenes so well, and I think everybody out there will agree in the last two movies, the Quicksilver scenes are the standout scenes. And, it, and it's due to this scene that I think I can recommend it to people to say, yeah, it, it's not going to be worthless to go to the theater to go see this scene. And I think of this scene totally independent from the entire movie. Like, I want this, like, you know, two or three minute clip or whatever it is just, like, ripped from the movie and, like, thrown up on YouTube and I'll just go back and watch it every once in a while because it's that good. That's exactly what, again, the review I said earlier, he's like, this scene will make a great YouTube clip. (laughs) However, the point of this, the scene is great. It looks awesome. It's funny. It goes a lot longer than I expected it to. Mm -hmm. I think it's, like, four minutes or so. But they place it at the wrong part of the movie. Yeah. Um, this is the scene where Havoc dies. Yeah. One and of I th- the original first class. And, like, this is how they punctuate that. Like, Yeah. And I, and I think bringing up the scene can also touch on two things that in the movie that really rubbed me the wrong way. So um, this scene was initiated, like you said, by Havoc dying. But Havoc dies by basically an accident. And, <laughs> and it's really frustrating that um, – no, he's going. He, uh, Apocalypse had just captured the professor. He's furious and he wants. He doesn't want him to to escape. So Havoc sends out a blast, and oops, accidentally his blast hits the what the the um, it, experimental was it, was it, was it the plane? Engine. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. sure if it was like a core or what he hit, but that just so happened to just uh, coincidentally be on the exact other side of his portal, and then it blows up the school. And I'm just thinking, oh, okay, like it, it makes a cool scene, but it's just like I don't like that this was sprung by totally 100% an accident. So that's one thing that I, I really couldn't get over. I, I think it would have been better if like they showed a scene where like Apocalypse like made it happen. Like maybe he used like some form of like telekinesis and like shifted the plane or 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 moved the blast or something like that. But nope, Apocalypse just shows up takes the professor and he's like I'm outie and then you guys fucked yourselves over it wasn't me that blew up your school it was you yeah so yeah it, it was again the school blowing up a typical fashion much like the the um, Wayne Mansion blowing up or burning down in the Batman uh-huh. movies very very typical um, I think even Deadpool uh, said isn't this <laughs> surprises the mansion's not blown up um, but uh, what's really um, again sad that like you know Havoc died he's one of the only people who's been in all three movies one of the few and he just he he died to be replaced by his brother essentially uh-huh. uh, Cyclops and but that was capped off with Quicksilver 
like, oh, I thought I saved everybody. Um, yeah. Kind of thing. And then, like, the scene was, like, so cool, so I just try to think of it independently. Yeah. And yeah, then, exactly. But outside of that, Quicksilver is still one of my favorite characters in the movie because he's really fun. He has some he has some really punchy lines. He can really interject moments of levity just when they're captured um, in the, um, I guess, uh, in the Canadian wilderness in that fortress. Uh, he has some funny scenes in that cell. But also, his motivation in the movie is just kind of weird. It's like, we found out that uh, he was uh, Magneto's son, but that basically had no impression on the movie whatsoever. I thought it was actually going to come up and be a big deal. Like, holy crap, Magneto, guess what? Your whole family isn't dead. You have one family member here. Uh, but... Uh, nope, we're not even going to let you know because it was a weird tagged on thing in the last movie. Like it was a joke. Like, oh, I think um, I think your mother – what did he say? I think he's like, oh, your mother looks familiar I, or something like no, that. No, he's like, he's like, he's like uh, my mom knew a guy who could do that. Yeah, Maybe something she, like that. He could mess with metal. Yeah, so it just seemed like a joke in the in the movie almost like a wink wink nod nod hey if you're an x-men fan out there you know that in the comic book these characters are related i think in the movies they just shouldn't have made them related if they weren't going to do anything with it just make them totally different uh so uh <laughs> i don't think that well, needed to happen no i agree but i think the last thing i just want to touch on quicksilver is he did kick some ass on apocalypse at the end too yeah that was oh. really really cool out of nowhere i didn't not expect i mean like quicksilver he got his one scene I'm like great, that's all the slow motion they're gonna do, um, but then he he whooped some ass on uh, Apocalypse, and that was really cool to see him do that mm-hmm. um, before you know he kind of got uh, like, not dismantled but like disarmed, I guess, yeah. by dislegged, dislegged, yeah. So uh, I, I I like so we were talking at the beginning that there were kind of two standout um, mm-hmm. moments in this movie, and that was one. And I'm just gonna assume that you know what I'm, what we're gonna bring up here with the second part of the movie that oh, wait, was wait, wait. amazing and standout. Before we jump, we have to talk about Pizza Dog because I talked about. <laughs> oh this oh yeah, that's right, Pizza Dog. So, sorry. So have your. There's pizza a dog. dog. There's dog eating pizza in this scene, and <laughs> Quicksilver saves him. And at the end, oh, he's funny. He's still eating pizza. Um, but in the Hawkeye comics, um, there's a character. Hawkeye has a dog. He calls Pizza Dog. <laughs> and in the credits, this dog was Pizza Dog. So I'm like, this is the biggest Marvel crossover event that no one's paying attention to. So <laughs> I'm glad you picked that. up on that reference. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah, I thought of that during the movie. I thought it was really funny. So, mm-hmm. um, But yes, the Quicksilver scene actually led right into this next scene you're about to talk about. Yeah, and that was basically uh, the reveal of uh, Wolverine in his classic, um, I guess, Weapon, well, Weapon X, X get-up. Yeah. Yep. So, and that was really, really cool because we all knew Wolverine was going to be in the movie, but we didn't really know at what capacity. Uh, We knew it was kind of more of a cameo role, but we didn't really know when it was going to pop up. So when they walk into that room and they're just like, oh, there's an animal in there. And like, we, like, I was just like, oh yeah, this is going to be awesome. And then they do that slow pan from foot up to his head. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is so sick. And then he just goes. It's it's Wolverine. It's Hugh Jackman in the Weapon X getup, and he just goes on a, a rampage, like pretty uh pretty graphic. I think it's the most graphic we've ever seen him in a PG thirteen role. Yeah. So there was no there was no hardly any blood splatter. So I think that's how they got away with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the most brutal he's been in any X Men movie. I think mm-hmm. uh, even his own because he just went to town on all those soldiers. And um, what was really weird is. Uh, he looks like he was in a Velociraptor chamber from Jurassic Park <laughs> at first, mm-hmm. but he's also in the room with the power outlets for the whole building. I'm like, why did they put their most dangerous person in a cage 
next to the electrical outlets for the whole building. Yeah, and that's actually that was just a weird location place. And that's actually one thing that I kind of leaned over to my wife in the middle of the movie is when they end up rescuing uh, the other crew from inside the jail cell, they do it by blasting the door with um, with Cyclops' uh, uh, vision. And I lean over to my wife, and I was just like, wait a minute, I thought the plan was to blow up the generators. Why did they not blow up the generators? That was the whole reason of going into that room. You blow up the generators, and then that fixes yeah. everything. And then they just, I got, they just glossed over that idea. They're like, oh, we got a maniac with claws running around. Let's go Chase change him. our plan. I, like, I don't know. It was kind of weird. Yeah, I agree. But I think I think this is something to say. Again, this whole movie could have taken this scene out, uh-huh. and it would have been the same movie. Because uh, they would have just blasted the doors open. They didn't need Wolverine. Um, but it was cool to see him with like his longer, mulletish looking hair. Um, he had a, a moment with Jean, kind of maybe setting up the future kind of with her a little bit, like the old, the old trilogy had, um, and sending him off in there. So we don't know where he's going to go, but that does tie in very, very closely to the post credit scene. Do you want to talk about that now, or do you want to talk more about no, go, go Weapon ahead X lo- slice it? Okay. So the what the, the post credit scene actually went on a lot longer than I thought it would. It's mm-hmm. a full 90 seconds, and I'm like, I'm not used to post credit scenes being more than 30 seconds. Like, what's going on here? And um, these suits walk through the, the, the facility and steal, I guess, or steal, uh, take a vial of Weapon X's blood mm-hmm. and put it in a suitcase with other vials, uh, unknowing what we what we don't know what they are, and then the case shuts, and that's what the reveal is. It says SX Corporation, mm-hmm. and um, this is one of those things that not a lot of people are going to get just by looking at it. This is this isn't a Spider Man you know thing where people are like oh it's Spider Man and his logo that's cool. This is a reference to Nathaniel Essex, a character long known in the comics slash cartoon TV series as Mister Sinister. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to explain this to someone in the theater, actually, as (laughs) as they didn't know. Um, But Mr. Sinister is known for being uh, very experimental on uh, mutants and creating new mutants and and kind of like, uh, I guess, playing geneticist with them. Uh Um, He's known for being white. He has a big red diamond in his forehead for some reason. And um, I think... Now you, you 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 we were talking about this before this you didn't know why this is important. Well, it, it's it was it was more like um, the 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 times that I have bumped into Mister Sinister. I think most people out there would say was from the '90s X Men cartoon, which usually was pretty faithful to the comic books or the storylines at least. And if I remember correctly, I think Mister Sinister was more of a pawn for apocalypse at least in this scenario so i'm just kind of curious like oh i would think you know we'd get the mr sinister movie first and then it would lead up to apocalypse but you know obviously it's a cinematic universe so they can do what they want so now i'm kind of curious maybe how they're going to build up mr sinister yeah so um to to me my um interactions with mr sinister again was the cartoons but also in the ultimate universe Uh um the he's actually a um I would say a herald of Apocalypse in that one. He's the only person who can see it. He's working to create mutants to do it and so on and so forth. But he's known mostly in the comics for creating a group of people called the Marauders. And the Marauders are in the Deadpool video game, by the way, if you guys are interested. Uh, Characters known as Vertigo, Riptide, Blockbuster, and Arclight. Um, But to me, this is actually setting up the Wolverine 3 and not X-Men whatever the next one's going to be. Uh-huh. I don't think the next one's going to be X-Men Sinister or whatever it is. It's Wolverine 3. I think he is the villain in Wolverine 3 for two reasons here. The vial of Wolverine's blood 
means that the he uh, and Mr. Sinister's geneticism means he's going to create a clone of Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And the best known clone of Wolverine that we know right now is X twenty three, the female version that we think I think will take over for Wolverine in the cinematic universe once Hugh Jackman bids farewell in Wolverine three. Mm-hmm. Um, also uh, with Mr. Sinister showing up um the marauders and mr sensor actually label on wikipedia as the villains of wolverine 3 so right. i think this is very much again wikipedia there's no source there's no confirmation of this but whoever put it in there says the marauders and mr sinister are in uh uh you know wolverine 3 so that's yeah. where i think they're, they're they're gonna fit in they're showing us the next movie more so than the next x-men group film yeah, I think th- I think that makes sense, and I think talking about the upcoming movies, I think the biggest, uh, uh, I guess not problem with the movie, but something that kind of let me down was after the movie was over, I'm not really excited for the next X Men movie. You know, like I'm not super hyped on uh, what villain they might bring in or what new things that they might try to accomplish. I'm more like, yeah, that that next Deadpool movie is going to be awesome. Yeah, I want to see the final Wolverine movie, but yeah, as for the next X Men movie, I'm. I'm not like I'm not jumping up and down waiting for that trailer, you know, in a year or two. Yeah, so I, I um I agree. We talked about this. One of the Fox movies has recently moved to June 2018 and I'm pretty sure it's the next X-Men movie. I think two things need to happen for me to get excited. Um Simon Kinberg has to go and probably Brian Singer has to go. Uh-huh. I, I think um Singer now has he's got three I guess two good movies and two okay movies under his belt, but I think once someone's in there for too long, they'll ruin the whole series. Again, I'm going to liken this to Transformers. Michael Bay is working on the fifth Transformers movie, and how good are they getting, Mike? (laughs) Not very good. All I can do is laugh. (laughs) Yeah, so that, that, that tells you there. So I think they need to go. They need to get someone fresh in. They need to focus. Again, if they do go to the 90s, that's fine, but get rid of... They're, they're, they're so focused on Magneto, Xavier, and Mystique, slash uh-huh. Jennifer Lawrence. They don't care about anybody else. They killed the blob. They they, they, they shoehorned Angel and Storm in there. Angel's one of the original X-Men. Uh-huh. Uh, they just want to see um, the Phoenix. They want to see Cyclops, and they want to see Nightcrawler. That's all I care about. Uh, and I think someone needs to come in there who knows, who can deal with groups of characters better, and give us something good. Um, and I think this movie is such a cock tease, and I'm going to say that because... You see the whole movie in the trailers. If you go back and look at it now, the whole movie was in the trailers. Uh-huh. And they don't get their awesome costumes until the last, like, three seconds. <laughs> yeah. And guess what they're fighting, Mike? Who are they fighting at the end there? Sentinels. Sentinels, which should have been the last movie, by the way. We should have had way more Sentinel fights in the last movie. I'm getting very expressive with my hands right now. Because <laughs> that bothers me so much. There's so much, like, this movie, like, the last third, of the half third of this movie is all fan service. Like, there is nothing new or innovative it's all fan service we got dark phoenix check we got you know um you know the sentinels and all their costumes in the last like five minutes check like there's nothing cool there going on and again i you're right the next one's not that high up on my list of stuff unless they get some more people in there to really just bring it up yeah and this whole level. and this whole movie more specifically towards the ending like you were talking about all rallies around uh, mystique being this like hero that all the mutants look up to 
and it's basically just the movie going like, "Hey, Wolverine's not in the movie anymore. We need to uh, we need to replace this like focal center of the movie with Mystique." And I just don't think the character is is as likable as Wolverine was. Like uh, mm-hmm. some people did have complaints in the other X Men movies that, "Oh, they're not X Men movies; they're Wolverine movies." And I think that's doesn't. I think that goes to show you not necessarily that Wolverine is the most interesting mutant. It's just that these movies decided that, "Oh, we need to make a character kind of more of the focal center, so we can bring the story." Story down a little bit so we can like focus on characters and not necessarily what's going on all around them so they just need to find a way to do that you know don't don't branch out so much give us like give us maybe like two or three characters that we can really that we can um we can really uh focus on and then they can touch the lives of these other characters and we can get to know them a little bit more in this movie they basically just pick three characters and they're just like hey we're only going to tell your story and everybody else is not even going to have lines they're not even going to say anything (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. I think we also need to see, you know, um, Xavier sending his X-Men on missions. Uh-huh. Uh, we don't see them going on missions very often, and it's kind of sad. Yeah, uh, because they're, it, it's taking some of the cool stuff. Yeah, and it's taken them so long to build up, like, the X-Men. I know we've gone back in time where we're trying to re- rewrite history and stuff like that, but I feel like we've never really gotten to, like, the X-Men. Like, we had the X-Men in, like, the uh, like the original trilogy. Like, uh, they were a team and a crew, but it's taking us it's taken us so long to get back around to that to that point in time whenever they've whenever we've had a team of x-men formed in this new version it's always just been temporary like oh there's a threat coming up we better make a team because we need a team right now there wasn't always one there so i feel like at least in the next movie we finally have the x-men they Mm -hmm. are they are a crew that lives at this school and they're there to protect and serve it's finally x-men 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 so that team is already going to be there for the beginning of the movie so hopefully that helps out the next one yeah, I, I I totally totally agree, and just you know set some other stuff back. Don't don't blow your wad on everything in one. <laughs> that's that's something I, I use in my written reviews. Like, well, can't really do Dark Phoenix coming about. They already showed us that she is that in this one, you know. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, I mean, I guess at the end of the day, I I don't hate the movie, but I'm not in love, and I, I feel like it's hard for me to go back and remember cool things about this movie, other than the fact that it's. A first-class sequel to me, not better, uh-huh. more so than Days of Future Past, uh, and um, it's got some cool scenes. But overall, it's, it's compared to what the great things we've got this year. Again, Fox did great with Deadpool and Civil War had just as many characters, if not more, and did a better job with them. Uh-huh. Um, I, I I think it's better than Batman because it didn't again offend me. But <laughs> I'm not. Uh, I'm not sure if I'd say go out and watch this in theater unless you want to see those scenes on the big screen, like you said. Yeah, it's kind of like one of those things if um, if uh, you go over to a friend's house and they want to put something on and they want to watch Apocalypse, you're like, yeah, go ahead. Um, let me know when these uh, when the Quicksilver scene pops up and I'll uh, grab a slice of pizza and sit down on the couch and join you. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to necessarily say it was a disappointment. It's just kind of average. Uh, you know, I'll circle back around to wrap things up on my end that – you know, it just it just felt like they they could have done they they could have done more if they maybe try to do something new and different, refresh it up a little bit. Um, 
this this franchise has needed uh like i would say a hard reboot and they're trying to do that with time travel and even though i think days of future past worked out well i'm just starting to get the fatigue of all these like same characters over and over again um i don't think it's going to happen just because the the superhero movies are making so much money but i would almost like fox to not make an x-men movie maybe for like four or five years and then come back to it and just get a new director totally new vision just go in with something a totally different feel and just kind of reboot the x-men from the ground up again in a proper time like like it's just kind of weird having these uh, period x-men movies because it feels like they're trying to move them to a current to to a curtain day and age but i'm just thinking they can't age these actors that much it's just not going to work so like where are these characters going to end up it all it all feels kind of temporary so uh, i'm looking forward to deadpool too i'll just put it that way <laughs> yeah now fox has got better movies coming out that we're more excited for than the next x-men movie but at the same time i will probably buy this and put it on my shelf with all the other x-men movies i have uh, you completionist uh, i i am it's a problem um but i think to me i i don't know i i i it's in there with days of future past to me but i don't love days of future past i think first class is the best movie of this new trilogy um but i i'm yeah i just it's middle ground very middle ground very average you didn't blow me away, but you didn't make me say go out um, and hate the world afterwards. So, well, uh, that's how I want to end my review. Like, it's it's definitely a solid five out of ten <laughs> if I was giving <laughs> a number score. So, um, any, any last words from you, Mike? Um, I I think that's basically it. I don't think I'm going to be watching this one again anytime soon when there's so much competition out there with what I could watch on my screen instead. But, um. I think the best way to say it is just like what you did. It didn't offend me. <laughs> yeah, so I guess on that note, Mike, if people want to know about, you know, your you watching movies and and what you think of them and maybe even some funny comics on this. I'm looking forward to you maybe getting some ideas for your your pickled comics on this. Where can they find that at? Find that at. Well, uh, you can follow me at Mike Royer Design on Twitter and Instagram, and you can read my web comics at pickledcomics.com. Chris, outside of this podcast, you type up reviews with your fingers mm-hmm. on a keyboard, and you post it on a website. If people want to know where they can find those written reviews, where can they follow you? Well, now you set me up for, for such uh, success here. Uh, you can find <laughs> my written reviews on comicui.com. Uh, we have Facebook and Twitter accounts as well. Or uh, you can go over to Twitter and follow me on Valdan, V-A-L-D-A-N, to see what I wear to these comic book movies because I know <laughs> everyone's interested in, in, in what I uh, what shirts I wear to these these large events. i got to look fancy. got to look good. Um, <laughs> so I guess in the meantime, if people want to be super fans and listen to our regular scheduled programs, where can they find that at? Well, as I always say at the end of all of these uh, recording sessions is you can always find us and visit us at SuperheroSlate.com. That's the best place to find the links to everywhere that we jack up and upload the show, uh, which is uh, iTunes, YouTube, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Tumblr. You can subscribe to us uh, and get us directly in your email inbox, and you can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. If you're a fan of the show, uh, maybe head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. It uh, helps us out, helps us uh, find some uh, new listeners. And if you're a super fan of the show, uh, just share the show with a friend, share the show with a buddy, copy and paste that link throw it up on uh someone's facebook wall and um i guess that kind of wraps things up uh i think the next spoiler cast we're gonna do is uh i believe it's turtles right yes teenage mutant ninja turtles per overwhelming request yes (laughs) yeah i broke you down (laughs) you did you you got me to the point i'm like well 
might as well just do it now and get it over with. But now I'm looking forward to it. June, June and July, we were looking at some movies before this. Um, don't look too bad. I think we're gonna we're gonna have a busy summer, mm-hmm. and uh, this is another way to kind of enjoy that, I guess. Yeah. Well, I hope everyone else keeps having a good summer. Hope everyone had a good Memorial Day weekend. Uh, it's always nice having the extra long weekend because that means you have an even shorter work week coming up. And uh, we'll see you guys next week for uh, the next uh, Superhero Slate. Yep. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to subscribe. Miss Sinister. Ooh la la. Let's get Miss Sinister in the next one. <laughs> I, I, I scrolled past a well-endowed picture of, of Miss Sinister.